today on Divine Truth Podcast. If this church or any church does not stand firm together, then the enemy can secure the advantage. You want to see a church that the enemy, the Satan has gotten into and has started messing it all up? That's the church that doesn't stand. That doesn't stand. This is the Divine Truth Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. This podcast is for the purpose of teaching God's people through the verse-by-verse exposition live from the pulpit of Emmanuel Baptist Church. We pray that the Word of God richly blesses you as you hear it proclaimed. Again with us to Philippians, the first chapter. Philippians chapter number one, and after you have found that out of respect for God's Word, if you would please stand. As we read our text, uh, Philippians chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 27. Paul says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which He saw in me, And now here to be in me. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your truth. And we ask you that you may teach us your truth today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I remember those wonderful times in elementary school When the teacher left the room, how many of y'all remember those times when the teacher left the room? Those were always glorious times. And then, of course, there were, I remember the wonderful occasions in junior high school when the teacher didn't even show up. And you would always have that wonderful opportunity of having a substitute teacher. And because, quite frankly, no substitute teacher wanted to be disliked by the class, And as a result of that, those who were less disciplined, of which I was not one, but those who were less disciplined, it was a wonderful opportunity to waste time, act irresponsibly, or even sometimes downright rebellious. We all remember those times. You may know well, yeah, you do too, you may well know as a parent those times that you have been asked by the, you asked the babysitter if your children behave themselves while you're away and you get that, you know, that deer in the headlight look from the babysitter. And the, you have the knowing look and you have to wonder to yourself as you get that look from this person, young person, 
How is it that they seem under better control when I'm around, but they're out of control when I'm not? And I think for the Apostle Paul, he had a little bit of that teacher-parent apprehension going on with regards to the Philippian church. His concern for them, as good as the church was, as, as deeply as he loved them, and as gracious as they were toward him, he knew that in his absence, there could, they, there could begin to show signs of detect, defection. Signs of spiritual irresponsibility. And even signs, sometimes, of downright rebellion. He has enough experience with churches to know that it doesn't take long for good churches to be infected by the wrong things. He was greatly concerned about the testimony of Christ in this church, in the community. He was concerned about the way this church was acting, whether he was with them or not. And so in this final section, verses 27 to 30, Paul is calling for the church of Philippi to have spiritual integrity. He is calling for them to have credibility in conduct. And he adds this little phrase in verse 20, whether I am with you or I am not with you, this is how I expect you to act. And that's why we have entitled this final section, the whole section is verses 24 through 30, living before the face of God. Because as we said last week, church, believers are truly, whether you realize it or not, whether you're living right or living wrong, as believers, we are truly living, we saw in Latin, quorum Deo, we are really truly living before the face of God. And in this last section, Paul turns the attention from himself and wanting to be with Christ, which is very much better, and he focuses, he shifts, and he focuses all the attention on the believers there at Philippi. And Paul's basic point is this, whether I live or die, whether I come to see you or I am absent from you, I expect you, God expects you to live your life in a certain way. He expected this church that they would have conduct, they would have character in their conduct. I remember as a young person growing up in church, as a young teenager, and the pastor of that church was away on vacation or for whatever reason wasn't in the pulpit that day. And when the church, when the pastor wasn't at church, it seemed like that that was when the less determined, less dedicated Christians decided that they wanted to stay at home. And the attitude seemed to follow. The old adage went what? When the mice cats away, the mice will play. And that kind of attitude seemed like that, that when the pastor was there, they needed to act a certain way. And when the pastor wasn't there, then they could act another way. And the people certainly that live like that certainly live short of spiritual integrity. And this is Paul's overarching point. Whether I am dead whether I'm alive, whether I'm with you, or whether I'm not, you are to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Paul says, I am concerned about your conduct. And the message that Paul gives to the believers at Philippi is just as important to us as it was to them. Because we need to conduct ourselves as God's people, as representatives of the kingdom of God, we need to conduct ourselves in a certain way. No matter how we live, 
No matter the spiritual battles you face, folks, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you and I are living before the face of God. And because we are living before the face of God, then that should dictate to us that we live a certain way. Remember we said last week, we were talking about the believer's purpose. And we talked to you last week about the fact that one of the most comforting, one of the most awe-inspiring uh, attributes of God is God's omnipresence that wherever you go God goes with you but not only is it one of the most awe-inspiring and one of the most comforting characteristics of God attributes of God but it's also one of the most fearful attributes of God why because everywhere you go God goes with you how would you change I asked you last week I asked you this week about last week how would you change some things that you did how would you change some places you went? How would you change some things that you said? How would you change some attitudes you have with the understanding that wherever you go, God goes with you and you are truly living quorum Deo. You are truly living before the face of Almighty God. Folks, it ought to change our purpose. It ought to change our purpose. But I want to continue on in that fall from the believer's purpose to our second point is the believer's purity. The believer's purity in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. The Apostle Paul, in verses 24 to 26, has spent time telling them that, that as they turn to Christ, their allegiance and their faith and their dependence would be greater with Christ when they saw Him free because seeing Him free, that would display the power of God and it would be a cause of rejoicing. And now He wants to remind the Philippian believers of how they should live quorum Deo, how they should live before the face of God. Look at verse 27. Paul says this, only, stop right there. It's going to be a slow message today, folks. Just buckle up. Paul describes the believer of how we should live before God. And I want you to notice the first word that Paul uses, only. It's the Greek word monos, and it's an adverb. And one of the questions that an adverb answers is to what extent. And the extent of the command is, we are to follow this, and this is the only way. This is the, there's no other options. This Greek, this Greek adverb of degree means alone or only. There are no options. There are no opinions, church, other than God's. And you and I would do well to understand that this morning. That in your life, in my life, there's no other opinion but the opinion of God. The moment you came to Christ, the moment you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, was the moment you gave up your rights, you gave up your opinions to the opinion of the Almighty Sovereign God who lives and reigns on the throne forever. Your opinion doesn't matter, does it? The only opinion that matters is God's. No opinions, no options other than that of God. Paul says, this do and do alone. And this is the way we live, church, before the face of God. There's only, Paul says in the word only, there's, only, there's just one way to live before the face of God. Now notice what he says in verse 27. Only let your what, church? Conversation. Polituomai in the Greek. And it speaks about conduct. It speaks about manner of life. It speaks about the way that you live your life. Church, listen to me. As believers in Christ, 
As believers that live before God, our life should be one of purity. Because, there, church, listen, there's only one way that we need to conduct our lives. Paul says, this alone is the way your life should be conducted. There are no other options. You can, Listen, church, you can't ride the fence when it comes to serving God. You're either for me or against me, God says. You're either hot or you're cold. If you try to ride the fence and you try to be lukewarm, what does Jesus Christ say about you? You make me sick. You, literally, Jesus says in Revelation 3, if you're lukewarm and you try to ride the fence, you make me want to throw up. You make me sick. I want you hot or cold. I don't want you in the middle. And folks, listen, there's only one way to conduct our lives. Paul says in verse 27, only let your manner of life be a certain way. This is it. This is the only way to live. Now, the root word for the Greek word for conversation is the root word polis, and it literally means city. And the root had to do with citizenship. And it's primarily in reference to a city in which someone gives their primary allegiance. It not only speaks of citizenship, but it speaks of being a good citizen. Philippi had the distinct characteristic of being a Roman colony. And being as such, they enjoyed many of the benefits that the, city of, that the citizens of, the, of Rome enjoyed. In fact, many of the people in these colonies would refer to themselves as quote-unquote little Romans. They adopted Roman dress, they adopted Roman names, and they spoke Latin, which was the official language of Rome. And being that the person had so much allegiance to the city, they were careful not to do anything that would bring disrepute on the city. And they always tried to be considerate and honorable citizens. And the Apostle Paul may have well had that in mind when he used his Greek word, polituomai, uh, in our text. Listen, church, if the citizens of Philippi were so devoted to the honor of a human kingdom, how much more should they be honoring to these, as the citizens of the kingdom of Christ. And church, listen, if you would not do anything to bring disrepute upon your family, upon your name, which is an earthly family and an earthly name, how much more should you and I be concerned that we don't do or live or say or have any attitudes that would bring disrepute upon the name of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of our God? We ought to be just as vitally mindful of the fact that we don't do anything to disrespect our eternal kingdom just as we would not do anything to disrespect where we live now. And the Apostle Paul charged the Philippians that there's only one way to conduct their lives. Look back in verse 27. What is the only way, church, that you are to conduct your life? As it becometh, he says in verse 27, as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Did you see that? Paul says, this is the only way to conduct your life. There are no other options. There are no other opinions. This is the only way to conduct your life. As it becometh the gospel of Christ. Folks, listen, that is the only way that a child of God should want to live. Right? As it becometh 
the gospel of Christ. The only way that a child of God should want to live is to live as a faithful citizen of heaven. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, for our conversation or our citizenship is where? Where? Then why don't we act like it? Listen, how many people do you know that they, they claim to be Christians, but they live like their citizenship is in hell? They live like their father is the devil. Paul says if you are a Christian, there's only one way you live, and that is to you to live your life your, the conduct of your life should be as becometh the gospel of Christ. Listen, folks, the church, though imperfect and though temporal, is the earthly manifestation of that perfect and eternal kingdom in this present age. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk what? Worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, I, that, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you out of, unto his kingdom and glory. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all what? Holy conversation, all holy conduct and godliness. And in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Notice what the other words that the Apostle Paul says in verse 27. He says, whether I come and see you or else am absent. He says, in other words, no matter what happens to me, whether I come to see you or whether I'm absent from you, no matter what happens to me, the only thing that needs to be your goal is to conduct your life as citizens that represent heaven in the proper way. Folks, let me ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing in that? Are your actions yesterday, last week, so far today, are those actions actions that reflect the kingdom of God of which you are a citizen? John Calvin said this, when he speaks of a pure and honorable conversation as being worthy of the gospel, he intimates, on the other hand, that those who live otherwise do injustice to the gospel. Is that you? Are you a worthy citizen of heaven by your conduct? Or do you do injustice to the kingdom of heaven by the way that you behave? John James Montgomery Boyce said this, Every Christian must learn the principle that privilege implies responsibility. As believers, as citizens of heaven, we are to we are to live worthy of the spiritual possessions that we have. Because listen, church, we do not hold those possessions through any virtue of our own. What we have, we have only because they have been given to us by the King of Kings. But we have it, and, and the fact that we do have it, we must live worthy of that calling. Listen, church, in our lives as believers... All things are put away, right? All things are put away. 
All things are new. And to live in a manner worthy of the gospel is to live a life that's consistent with the revealed Word of God. The Christian's greatest testimony before the world, church, is spiritual integrity. Spiritual integrity. John MacArthur says this, When Christians live below the standards of biblical morality and reverence for their Lord, they compromise the full biblical truth concerning the character, plan, and will of God. Church, listen, when the world looks at a Christian, when the, wor- when the world looks at believers and they do not see holiness, they do not see purity, they do not see virtue, there appears to be no reason for them to accept the gospel that we proclaim. Why would they? Why would they? Why would our neighbors, why would our friends, why would our co-workers want to accept the gospel that we proclaim when they look at our life and they see no holiness, they see no purity, and they see no virtue? They just see people that get in the car every morning, every Sunday, and go to church. But uh, the rest of the time during the week, they see people that live like children of the devil. Paul calls on this church to have spiritual integrity. To have character in their conduct. And Paul's point is that those people that that belong to Christ through the saving faith in the gospel should demonstrate that power through their changed lives. Again, I ask you this morning, how are you doing in that? Does your actions display the gospel? Does your language display the gospel? Does your actions, does your language reflect your citizenship? Church of Philippi was a good church. It had good people in it. But even this church, Paul was concerned that they would get tied up and they would lose sight of the fact that they're citizens of a kingdom. They're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And so therefore they should conduct themselves as citizens of that heavenly kingdom. Church, how are you doing? You need to ask yourself this morning, how am I doing individually, personally, looking in my heart, looking at no one else, but looking at your own heart, your own life, your own mind, your own mouth, your own actions, looking at all those things and saying, how how am I doing? Does my language reflect I'm a citizen of heaven? Does my thoughts reflect that I'm a citizen of heaven? Does the things I do reflect that I'm a citizen of heaven? Does the places I go reflect that I'm a citizen of heaven? Do the people that I hang around with reflect that I'm a citizen of heaven? Does my social life reflect that I'm a citizen of heaven? And here's a big one. Does my social status on Facebook and Twitter show that I'm a citizen of heaven? I'll never understand it why girls say they're citizens of heaven but put pictures of themselves on Facebook half-dressed. I'll never understand it why people call themselves citizens of heaven but repost or retweet things that have curse words in them. Or, or, you, or something is posted on Facebook and one of God's people gives it a thumb up. Let me tell you something, folks. Paul would have gone absolutely bats if they'd had Facebook in the first century. Let me tell you something. Especially you young people. But I think probably everybody in here has Facebook. I do. I have Facebook. And ever since uh, Musk bought Twitter, I reactivated my Twitter. But let me tell you something. Your, social, your status on your, on your social media 
reflects the citizenship of your life, or at least how you're acting. So how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm very bothered. I'll be honest with you, church. I'm very bothered about some of the things that I see God's people giving thumbs up to on Facebook. I'm very bothered of some of the things I see God's people repost on Facebook. And the answer is not defriending the pastor so he won't see it. The answer is getting your heart right with God and living like a citizen of heaven, for crying out loud. That's the answer, isn't it? That's the answer. Because Paul says in verse 27, that's the only way. Remember that word adverb, only? That's the only way for a believer to live. As becometh the gospel. Whether I'm with you or whether I'm gone, this is how you ought to live. And when the world looks at the church and sees people that are worldly, that, that do not have any holiness. Now, I didn't say perfect. But listen, church, none of us are perfect. But we need to all have spiritual virtue. We all need to have spiritual character. And unfortunately, it's all something that we're all working on, isn't it? It's something that none of us have mastered. We're all working on our spiritual character, our spiritual virtue. But listen, it ought to be something that we are working on, not something that we just never forget about except on Sunday mornings. As the church, as the world looks at the church and sees the members of the church conducting themselves in a way that's unfitting the gospel. Because believe me, church, they know how you ought to live. At least they think they know. But when the world looks at the church and they see a church that's worldly, then they don't want to accept the gospel we proclaim. But when the world looks at a church and sees a church that's teach church members that are conducting their lives in a way worthy of the gospel, church, listen to me, that's the church. Those are the people that make a difference in their community for Christ. But then notice what Paul says again in verse 27. He says, only, this is the only way you live. This is the only way to conduct your life. As becometh the gospel of Christ, whether I'm with you or whether I'm absent, doesn't matter. This is the only way that you should be living. I may hear of your affairs, verse 27, that ye stand. I like that. The word stand means to be firm, to be committed in conviction. And the ideas of, of standing your ground and holding your place, irregardless of danger or opposition. The word is the word, the Greek word is used of a soldier who defended his position at all costs, even to the point of sacrificing his life. And church, listen, one of the marks of a person living the life as becomes the gospel of Christ is at all costs, no matter what it costs you, you stand for God against Satan. We stand for truth against false. We stand for righteousness against sin. And first, listen, it's not only that we stand, but the Bible says we stand firm. We stand immovable. We stand resolved for truth, committed to truth, committed to righteousness. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, 
Get this next phrase. Quit you like men. Be strong. Well, I like what Paul says there. I want you to notice the word quit there in verse 13. This is literally in the Greek what Paul is saying. Watch. Watch. Be firm in the faith. Act like men. Act like men. I'm not talking about some type of thing going out into the wilderness and living off the earth. I'm, act like, I'm talking about acting like a spiritual man. The church, Christianity is in general, I'm afraid, has got too many men that act like spiritual mamby-pambies. Paul says, act like men. Act like a man. And what is, it, what is part and parcel of acting like a man? Take spiritual charge of your family like a man. Take spiritual charge of your life, your conduct, like a man. Act like a man. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8, For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put all the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? Stand. Paul says, listen, this is the only way church for you to act. Verse 27, this is the only way for you to conduct your life as becometh the gospel of Christ. Stand firm church stand firm you know what the truth is if god were to if god were to call my wife and i away from here and i were to get reports back from uh, from the from the current pastor of this church because trust me i would call and i would ask i would want it to be known very well no matter what happens i want the members of emmanuel baptist church to be known as standing that they haven't moved you haven't equivocated from biblical truth paul says that's the only way for you to act in a way that's that's uh, proper with the conduct of a citizen of heaven is stand. Stand. Stand firm. Folks, listen. Somebody called me one time. I know you guys probably can't believe this, but somebody one time called me narrow-minded. Can you believe that, Bonnie? Somebody would actually call me narrow-minded. And I just, I just happened to have my Bible with me as, 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 when I was called narrow-minded. And I basically said this. I said, yeah. My mind is about as narrow as the, bind, my, as, the, as the bind of that book. Because listen, church, this is what we have to stand on. This is what we have to stand on. This is the only book, and we need to stand, church, firm. Look, what, Notice what he says else in verse 27. In one spirit with one mind. And church, this goes back to the issue of unity. The mutual sharing of goals. The mutual sharing of responsibility. Unity and uh, commonness has been the staple, folks, of what has held the church together even all the way back to the early days of the church. In Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 44, the Bible says, And all that believed were together and had, what? All things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted with 
imparted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with what? One accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And in chapter 4, verse 32, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Listen, folks, just as the Greek word says that as believers, we need to stand firm. If the church, if this church or any church, does not stand firm together, then the enemy can secure the advantage. You want to see a church that the enemy, the Satan has gotten into and has started messing it all up? That's the church that doesn't stand. That doesn't stand. William Hendricks says, the unity here envisioned is one of striving or struggling side by side like a gladiator against a common foe. Let me tell you something right now. If somebody in this church, has, if somebody has an ought, a battle against somebody in this church, guess what else? He's got, an ought, he's got a battle against 65 other people. Right? If somebody in this church has got a spiritual battle, then they should be able to call on the people of this church and we interlock our arms together and we stand firm together. That's the only way, folks, a church conducts himself as becomes the gospel of Christ. The old adage, the old phrase, the old slogan, you never leave a soldier behind has been renamed in the, in, the, in the realm of the family. You never leave your partner behind. Well, in the life of the church, you never leave a fellow Christian behind. Because how can you leave somebody behind when your arm is locked in theirs? That's the only way to conduct our lives, folks. Just like the enemy on the battlefield looks for the weakest point, the weakest soldier, in order to to gain an entrance, the enemy of our souls will look for the weakest believer in an attempt to gain an entrance into the church. And both individually and collectively, the church must stand firm. And what is it that we stand firm on? Verse 27, for the faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. The church must stand individually, The church must stand collectively and not move. Not move from our allegiance to the gospel of Christ. Steve Lawson says, in the midst of spiritual warfare, they must remain immovable in the gospel. Folks, how do we act? We need to stand side by side, our arms interlinked with one another, Posted firm, we will not move. We will not move. Somebody asked me one time when we were going through all this stuff with shuts downs and, and all those things, what, what we were going to do if the governor at the time tried to tell us that we had to, we could not meet. And I basically said this we will not bow to Caesar. We will not bow to Caesar. But as a church of Jesus Christ, Paul says the only way 
for you to act. The only way for you to show your citizenship is heaven is to stand firm, unified. The faith of the gospel. Church, listen, if we mess up the gospel, we've got nothing else. If we mess that up, we've lost everything, nothing else will fall into place. And it's not enough, church, just for the leaders. It's not enough just for me, for Pastor James, for Brother Nathan, for Blue and Rex. It's not enough just for us to stand firm in the truth. Every member of this church must stand firm, firmly planted in the truth of Scripture. Because a departure from that truth, church, listen, is a departure from Christ Himself. The church must stand together in and for the truth of the Word of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then I'll give you this verse again, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, act like men, be strong. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And again, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and they continued daily with what? One accord. But it's not just with the mind, church, that we must stand firm with the gospel. And we must keep in mind that it's hard work, isn't it? The battle that we fight for the truth is a hard battle to fight. That's why Paul here in verse 27, he says what? Striving together. The word strive in the Greek is a word that where we get our English word athlete or athletics. It's the idea of someone putting in the maximum effort in this athletic contest. The church must contend for the Christian faith. We can't just sit idly by and think that the, that the truth is just going to uphold itself. Truth is being maligned. The world and the devil are after the truth. And they're after the people that speak the truth. And you and I to stand firm in one mind, in one faith, which is the only way to conduct our life as, as befits the gospel of Christ. We need to stand firm in that truth. The truth of the faith of the gospel. Paul said in Titus chapter 2 verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And Jude says in Jude 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should what? Earnestly contend or fight or stand firm for the faith. How are you doing? You know, like I said, we live in a day where the truth is being maligned, where truth is being dismissed. 
And Paul's command is that we as God's people, we need to live our lives as proper citizens of a heavenly country. And the way that we live our lives as proper citizens of a heavenly country that lives our lives as becometh the gospel of Christ is to stand firm in one mind, in, in one faith for the, for the truth of the gospel of Christ. Working together, unified together, and standing firm together, immovable together for the faith of the gospel. And, and are we committed? Are you committed to the truth? Are you committed to the truth? Well, you say, well, pastor, I, don't just, I just don't see that the battle for the truth is as big, is a, big of a deal as you say that it is. Oh, yeah, turn on TBN. Right? Turn on, your, turn, on your ba- turn on your religious channel on your basic cable package and then listen to those guys for about an hour and then ask me, come back and say, is truth being attacked? I don't know how many of you are familiar with the... You guys know I don't mind naming names, right? I don't know how many of you guys are, 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 know the name Tony Evans. Anybody heard of Tony Evans? Tony Evans is an African-American preacher and he's under the, under the guise of evangelicalism, but he believes in something called transdispensationalism. He is the only man, you've probably never heard of it because he's the only preacher that ever says anything about transdispensationalism. But here's what transdispensationalism is. Transdispensationalism teaches that God takes you where you are, God takes you with the knowledge that you've got, and he'll send you to heaven. Even though you've never heard the name of Jesus Christ, he'll bring you to heaven if you just accept the knowledge that you've got. You say, well, Pastor, that didn't even make any sense. Exactly. But folks, that's how truth is being maligned. That's how truth is being questioned. That's how truth is being assaulted. And as the church of Jesus Christ, what do we need to do? Fight. Fight. Stand firm. Stand firm on the truth. Stand firm on the truth that was once delivered to the saints. Stand firm in that. Act like men, men. Act like a man. Take charge of your life. Take charge of the spiritual condition of your family. Act like a man. Do the job God's given you to do. Because Paul says that's the only way. That's the only way to conduct your life. How should you conduct your life? As becometh the gospel of Christ. Sound like a tall order? That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way we'd be able to do that is through the aid and the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, only let your conduct be as becometh the gospel. And Paul had in mind again to the Philippian believers, if you would not dishonor the, the, the country of Rome, the empire of Rome, because of your allegiance to Rome, your allegiance to God should be greater. And being that your allegiance to God is greater, you should conduct yourself in a way that would honor the kingdom of which you say that you believe, of belong. 
How are we doing in that this morning, folks? How are we doing in honoring the kingdom of which we are a citizen? This is the believer's purity. Only let your manner of life as becometh the gospel of Christ. Whether I'm with you, whether I'm not, that I may hear of your affairs, that you've stood firm in one faith, in one mind, contending, working hard to protect the truth of the gospel. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. The Christian life is like the pinnacle of a steep, slippery slope. One move on either side, and you're on the downslide. We need to stand firm on that pinnacle. Rooted and grounded in truth. Because Paul says, that is the only way that you're to conduct your life. So we see the believer's purpose. The believer's purpose is that you work and that your life reflects Christ and causes other people to rejoice in the Christ that you have. The believer's purity that you live a life worthy. You conduct yourself worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for your truth. Father, we thank you. Lord, sometimes the truth is difficult to hear. Father, it's difficult for all of us to hear sometimes. But Father, it is your truth and it is unchanging. And it is unquestionable. And it is final. Father, I pray that this church would stand firm that this church would be resolved to conduct our life as citizens of heaven. That our allegiance would be so strong to where our true citizenship lies. That we would stand firm in that. And the question Father always begged to answer is, Father, search my heart and tell me how I'm doing. Try me, as the psalmist said. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Father, we as your church here 
May we stand firm in the truth. May we conduct our lives as becometh the gospel of Christ. What about you this morning? There are some issues in the way that you conduct your life as becometh the gospel of Christ. Maybe you would want to take some time this morning to come before the Lord and bring those burdens, those cries for help, those cries of repentance. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been saved, I've never repented, and I've never trusted Christ alone. I may be a member of a church, I may be, have been baptized, I may be religious, but, but Pastor, I've never been truly saved. I've never trusted the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, alone. And this time is for you as well. Thank you for listening to Divine Truth Podcast. We pray that the Word of God has been a spiritual blessing to your soul. For more information about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ebcmineral.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Our Lord's Day services are 10 and 11 a.m. as well as 6.30 p.m. We also have a Wednesday service at 6.30 p.m. We here at Emmanuel Baptist Church pray that the message of God's divine truth would always go from the cross, through the church, to the world, until Christ come. God bless you.